Hello and welcome to The Engineer and the Rabbi. I am Nat Lokshin, the engineer. And I'm Rabbi Daniel Rabin, the rabbi. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. How are you? I'm fantastic, Nat, and it's great to be back for our, I guess, first official episode. We had a, a welcome episode and sort of a, a pilot one the other week, and um, I'm sort of still getting my head around this whole podcast business, so it's great to, to have you uh, as our podcast expert at least between the two of us, um, and to really just get out there. And I think um, it's been exciting. We've seen some quite a few people have been listening and uh, enjoying our, uh, our discussion. Um, and yeah, look forward to, to having a chat today. Yeah, it's um, got some good feedback. Uh, someone mentioned that, like, I've been uh, preparing this for the last, you know, few years, listening to um, thousands of hours of podcasts. So uh, it's good to be Starting my own podcast. So yeah, we actually um, we just saw each other recently at a family. Uh, Nat had a family uh, simcha and it was great because a lot of people that saw us were like, ah, oh. now we now see the rabbi and engineer sitting together and we had a we had a great chat about our upcoming show, which is of course happening right now. Um, so Nat, do you want to just sort of give us a little bit of background as to what 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 we're going to talk about today? Well, um, no, uh, before we get into that, you know, it was good to. Um, get some recognition. Some people now know I'm an engineer. Um, so uh, I get some extra um, focus, but you know, after, yeah. So um, after that, uh, that discussion, you just wanted to say, I've, I've just completed my first 18 hour fast. Uh, oh. You know, we, we were discussing that. And um, although I, I wouldn't say it's my first fast, I've done many uh, 25 hour fasts um, over my life with a, uh, Tisha B'Av and uh, Yom Kippur, but I don't know if those ones are so focused on um, health as the uh, sort of 18-hour fasts, are they? Yeah, they focus more on the spiritual health, exactly. Yeah, and it's much easier to fast when um, you're drinking water the whole time uh, rather than the Jewish fast where <laughs> you can't have anything. Absolutely, and I think it's been, um, for me, it's been really great, this at intermittent fasting, and I know there's so many different options you can you know you can spend your all day reading about which are the better fast and i think it's just trial and error it's really about seeing what your body responds best to so so you how did you go did you have a number of coffees throughout the 18 hours or yeah yeah i um i definitely do the coffee the the straight black coffee throughout the day to just get me through to consume something i mean i've done fasting but i've never done the 18 full hours and i had to finish at about 12 o'clock today and um so yeah, I uh, had a meeting at uh, at twelve, so I was only able to eat. So I did so eighteen and a half hours today, but still feeling pretty good. Yeah, and I think that's usually what happens to me. Like even I, I usually probably fasting nineteen hours because somehow always at the time of your breaking of your fast, you you had a meeting or you're out on the road and you don't have anything to eat. But it's a really, I find it's a really great system, and I think certainly one we should we should probably spend some time chatting about just in general, that the, the concept of intermittent fasting and really just giving your body a break and everything that comes along with that. Yeah, 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 definitely uh, want to chat about that. And the differences between the um, that sort of fasting and the Jewish fasting would be uh, an interesting topic. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it was, it was good to chat and find, you know, usually I tell people I, um, I do intermittent fasting because I usually start, um, have my first food at 11 a.m., and you're like, yeah, I do 18 hours. I'm like, geez, I'm not even close to that. So uh, <laughs> you've um, 
you've convinced me to go uh, go longer. So I'll uh, we'll we'll see we'll keep track of it and see how it goes. Yeah, let me let me know how you feel like it's coming along. No worries. And um, yeah, so so on to what we are going to discuss today. So um, if I said the name Catalan Carico, would you know who I'm talking about? I would not. So well, lie to me. Well, she's she's um, she's come into fame recently because um, she sort of pioneered the mRNA uh, technology that um, oh, most of the world has heard about with the um, the COVID vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines being developed off um, using mRNA technology, um, and so that's what I just wanted to to chat about. Not not just COVID and the vaccine, but what is mRNA and the other interesting things that it can do other than the vac- vaccine. So back in the 90s, um, the idea of mRNA technology, so for those who um, have forgotten their high school biology, um, your body's made of, of DNA, but then it's the um, mRNA, the messenger RNA, that takes those um, bits of uh, um, DNA and uses the sequence in that RNA to um, develop proteins. And those proteins do anything and everything in our bodies. That's, they're the building blocks of life. Um, so that, that happens naturally. But then the idea of um, sort of synthetic mRNA, something that um, we can uh, look at the body, choose the right DNA sequence and put that in someone's body, it's basically telling it to um, produce uh, whatever protein um, is based on that sequence. So um, the idea is like you could basically print um, cures for diseases, fighting cancer, um, elongating life. Um, it, it's not just a trial and error. You know the sequence and you can print it out. But um, but the reason why uh, Catalan Carrico is sort of famous is in the 90s, there was a big hype of it. You know, oh, we're going to cure cancer with this technology. But every time they... Um, they developed it, they put it into mice um, and the mice pretty much died within 20 minutes. And so um, after, you know, a few years and a few iterations, everyone had given up on it because, you know, the, it was never going to go into humans because no one could sustain it. But um, uh, Catalina, she, she kept on it for that whole thing. She even got, um, I think, demoted in her university research in 95 because there was just no money in it but she she kept going and going and finally um later on she they worked out a way to to inject the um mrna in the body and uh um and the mice didn't die and you know this was a you know revolution because potential cure for cancer all these amazing things were now back on the table and moderna who's who's one of the um developers of the um, the COVID vaccine, they they've been about ten years in the making of um, of mRNA technology, so that they hadn't released anything to market. And vaccines are actually like the lowest priority in all those pharmaceuticals developing um, uh, mRNA because it there's there was no money, you know, a seasonal flu, uh, what is it? But then you know the COVID hit. Um, everyone was, there was a race for vaccine. There was, you know, millions or billions of dollars, um, you know, of funding just for the development. And that's where these, um, these companies like Moderna and um, Pfizer with the uh, BioNTech who are developing mRNA basically in, t- in 48 hours, 
they sequenced the um, spike protein of the coronavirus and then were able to print uh, the mRNA. So basically you inject that um, protein, the, the, the RNA um, sequence from the coronavirus spike protein in your body. So your body um, develops a similar um, protein to coronavirus not the actual virus. And then your body learns to, um, to fight it uh, as any vaccine. So rather than, you know, isolating the virus, killing it or whatever, um, and injecting it as, um, as the other vaccines do, this is, you know, four to eight hours, find what, find what is the DNA. And then suddenly you have a vaccine and that's how simple it is. It's absolutely brilliant. I think, um, you know, it, it goes to show you that when there's a will, there's a way, you know, we, We've learned that in life, and I think whether it's in our personal lives or whether, whether it's in our global life, if you really want to do something, you see all of a sudden the ingenuity gets a bit of a kick up the backside. And I think you're right. I mean, it's amazing with all the, the pressure of coronavirus and how the whole world was affected, and where you see there's, you know, there's there's no financial issues. There's you know the budget's unlimited. It's amazing what human beings can achieve. But I think uh, it is it is quite fascinating to see how how the ingenuity has you know, has been used in this way. And I think um, for someone who's a lay person in this area, um, just to hear what you just explained is, is quite, is quite interesting for me to listen to. But f I guess for me as a sort of, I call myself a lay person in this area, what I find fascinating is I don't think the world's being taught what exactly the vaccines are doing. I find that it's, you know, probably, the, you know, obviously you have the conspiracy theorists who, you know, who think that this is a world domination to, you know, to wipe out half the population. But maybe, you know, maybe putting it out there quite simply, like you've explained it, you know, would be really helpful to people understand what exactly is happening to the bodies, what exactly the, the vaccine is actually going to do to you. And, and then obviously weighing up the, you know, the risk of catching COVID versus the risk of what potentially might happen from this vaccine. I think that's the, that's the question that's out there today. I mean, I know with with our congregation, I speak to people all the time and obviously people outside the congregation and most people have no clue like me, you know, as to what exactly the vaccine does. We just rely on the experts and say, yeah, put this in your arm and, and you'll be okay. You know? So it's, it's really interesting to see how it's differs from other vaccines and how this technology is just, is just another sign of how brilliant Hashem's world is, how brilliant God's world is in my view, you know? Yeah, and I, you know, I was going to ask you, cause like, you know, that the AstraZeneca and the other vaccines are those sort of um, dead virus that's injected in your body learns to, um, uh, to fight the virus that way. Um, and now, but the mRNA is, um, you know, that's, that's a, a blueprint to the virus rather than the actual virus. And then your body learns to fight it that way. And just the speed at which we can now sequence genes or, or sequence the proteins we need and, and inject mRNA, it's, it's sort of, we no longer, we may no longer need sort of that longevity study of vaccines. It's just, you know, you're, you're, you're just injecting the, um, uh, the RNA sequence, but after, after the world is now comfortable with mRNA and we've all pretty much <laughs> the entire population is pretty much going to have it, that or the, or the other type, but they're going to have some sort of vaccine. It brings it into more um, comfort, I guess, for, for the population. And then the, um, the companies like Moderna, who are specializing in that, they can now go to market with um, cancer treatments, other disease treatments with this RNA and, and you know, 
um, do it down to the person's own genetic requirements, exactly what they're finding, what disease or anything like that. But are we, are we playing God? Like, is there that concept in, in Judaism? Like we're, we're doing too much where we can now, it's because it's not altering DNA. That's, that's not what this is. It's, it's just telling everyone's body to produce a certain protein um, that it wasn't doing before. It's a great, it's a great question. I think, you know, um, the whole concept of vaccines really is, is debated in, in Jewish law, in Jewish, you know, halachic literature, if you like. And I think the overall principle is that, you know, we, we have an obligation to protect ourselves, to, to look after our lives. You know, Judaism is very much values life. And of course, we do everything to preserve and to protect life. And so we have to try and look at uh, this as a mitzvah that, you know, whatever we can do, um, you know, life is that gift from Hashem. It's something which, which we all take value. And you see, you know, so many of the laws in Judaism, which we hold in such high esteem and high regard are simply pushed aside to preserve life, you know, like the Shabbat and Kashrut, keeping kosher and so on. Um, but if you look in Halakha, if you look in Jewish law, and again, not yet going into the specifics of a vaccine and some of the, you know, the controversy or issues surrounding it, but you have to guard your life. You know, it says in the code of Jewish law, it just says there's a positive commandment to build, uh, what we call a guardrail or a fence on a rooftop in case somebody might fall over. You know, if you have people coming to visit your house, you have to make sure you take precaution, not that they, they won't get injured. I mean, so much litigation is that people didn't take the precautions to protect others. So we so have you, to so take you say the, don't, um, don't get dodgy electricians in your house. Uh, is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's that's you Jewish law? Absolutely. And you see, you see what hap what's happened around the world. You know, got, you know, unfortunately, buildings collapse and balconies fall down. And, you know, this is, this is irresponsible. So not only do we have to guard yourself, we have to guard our soul too, which we'll talk about. But that, that actually boils down to, if you look interestingly, uh, the Ramah, who was known as, he was known as the Ramah, but his name was Reb Moshe Isilis, who was the Ashkenazic contributor to the Shulchan Aruch, who, who obviously annotated the Shulchan Aruch of Joseph Cairo. He writes that one of Judaism's core principles, and he actually speaks about a plague that breaks out in a city. He said that, you know, you should not wait for the plague to spread. You've got to do everything you can do there, he says, to try and flee the onset of the outbreak. And so we see that it's not only obligation, but you have to look after yourself and those around you. So, I mean, when it comes to this concept, I think, you know, not, are we, not only are we not, not playing God, in fact, God would say to us, use the tools, use the science, use the the wisdom that I've given you to try and find ways to preserve life. So, yeah, I think it's, I think this is a religious obligation in a way. I think those who are, who are out there on the front lines coming up with these things are doing the world a favor and saving life. And like, you know, save one life and it's like you've saved the world. So these people are in effect, you know, saving millions and millions of worlds, which <laughs> would be a nice thing to go to bed at night knowing that you've saved millions of worlds. That'd be amazing. But so, so, you know, you, you say it's debated, but, having the vaccine or, or any type is, you know, it's, it's important because you're protecting yourself. You're protecting the transmission to, to others. You're protecting the community. Yeah. So where, so where the controversy would, would, I guess, arise is, I guess the same controversy outside of the halachic sphere. And that is, you know, what, what harm can the vaccine do to you? You know, and uh, is there a danger in taking the vaccine? And I know that the media sometimes, you know, it likes to exaggerate and likes to make panic and cause panic, you know, with the, blood clots and all these that have occurred. Um, so I think it would, you, you would look at, um, you know, the risk of death versus, you know, from the particular 
disease or, or, you know, the risk of getting sick from the vaccine. And I think I'm no expert, but from what I've heard from some of the experts, as they've, you know, spoken in Australia, we uh, had at the Rabbinical Council of Victoria, we had an expert in infectious disease. And he said, you know, the risk of getting sick from COVID, I don't remember the numbers, but it was a far less risk um, from, sorry, the risk of getting sick from the vaccine is a far less risk than if you land up catching the disease and what it can do to you. And I think a lot of people forget that it may not kill you, but it can cause lots of long-term issues. I have a, a cousin who's an avid jogger, avid runner, and he caught it. He lives in South Africa. And today, it's been about six months. He can't run like he used to run. He struggles breathing. And this is a fit guy, you know? So mm. I think, you know, you got to look at, obviously the overarching principle of saving a life, saving your life, protecting your life. Then of course, looking at obviously taking reasonable steps to make sure that you don't do something dangerous. But I think uh, in this case, and I'm not obviously not Paskin in for the whole world, not ruling for the whole world to do what to do. But if, if, congreg if congregants came to me, I would certainly say that I think it would be a halachic obligation for you to take it, provided of course, you don't have underlying conditions, which would make it dangerous for you to take it. And on the, on the contrary, you know, we should take it for those people who are vulnerable, who can't take a vaccine for whatever reason, you know, and that's, as you were saying earlier, you know, we've got to protect the many. It sounds good. I, you know, I probably would have, was going to take it, but it's, it's good to know from, uh, from my local rabbi that, you know, <laughs> it's, I'm doing the right thing, you know, and. Uh, yeah. And it's not only doing the right thing. I think it, it would also, it would almost border on you, you're obligated to take it. Now there are, again, there would be halakhic authorities who would say that it's not, obligatory to take it but it's you should take it but i think there would certainly be a case to argue that you might be mandated to take it because of the the, the obligation to preserve your life and to preserve the life of others you know so i think there's certainly um you know it's definitely room to argue in that case you know and and i think you know i think it was Shlomo Zaman Arbach, who was also a famous contemporary so to speak um halakhic authority he said that you know, if one has reasonable concern of the dangers of not being vaccinated, right, and the only chance, for example, was to be immunized on Shabbos, then the immunization would actually be permitted on Shabbos, right? Oh, wow. Uh, so, I mean, as, as you said, Pukhach Nefesh, you know, it overrides even Shabbat and, and all that sort of stuff, right? Yes, I'm seeing, but you see how far that goes, that the fact yeah. that even a rule that this is, you know, the dangers of not being vaccinated, which might, you know, might not be direct because nefesh, but we see that it's, uh, it's, it's really important, really highly regarded, you know. It's good to know. And I, you know, I hope our, our thousands of listeners uh, will take your advice as well. And um... <laughs> but, uh, you see, Nat, you know, we, we, you, you've, you've, you've told us the, the brilliance of the science behind it. And I've told us, and I've said that this is about, you know, halakhically we should be taking, it's, an actually, it's actually a mitzvah to look after our lives. But, I want to just go one little step further and, and this is unprepared in my head and certainly unprepared by you because I haven't told you about this. Let's but do it. Maybe, maybe it'll just be off the cuff for both of us. But, you know, I think, you know, the Baal Shem Tov, the Holy Baal Shem Tov said everything we see in life should be a, a lesson in how we can serve Hashem. Now, of course, there's an obvious connection here because we have to serve Hashem to save our lives. But I think going back to my original comment, I think this whole, this whole concept is that, you know, we've got to, you know, we've got to use the wisdom we have to, to make the lives of people better around us. That's the lesson that I see. You know, we all have skills. We all have different things, talents. And maybe sometimes we don't feel the, the, the pressure of it. Uh, we have excuses. I don't, I don't have enough money. But we see that when, when we utilize all of our wisdom 
And I'm talking about, you know, on a very small scale, if you can look at your children and your spouse and your friends and you say, you know what, I'm going to utilize everything Hashem has given me to try and make your lives better. That to me is what's been happening with the vaccine. You know, people have, have reached out to, to use whatever they've been given, their God-given talents. I think we sometimes don't utilize our full potential to make the world around us. And that could include just ourselves or, or one person around us, our children and so on. So let's try and do that. Yeah, that sounds good. And uh, no, I, that's what that's what I love about podcasts is, um, you know, we can do it off the cuff and, you know, extra learning, get those those juices flowing. That's right. Well, you did it, in fact. I mean, the truth is, my message, you already did. You know, when we went for the walk the other week, you know, you said, you know, this idea was born that we can try and utilize a small little platform that we have right here to, to try and help another human being out there, you know, and whether or not we reach one or 10,000 or maybe one day, one million, who knows? Let's um, see. Maybe, maybe we will um, bring some light and love and, and light into, into the world. Yeah. I'm enjoying your other, your parasha thoughts, your snippets and, and some of your web webinars on the, um, on the feed. Hopefully it's not confusing yeah, too many people when it's, when it's our discussion or when it's the other content on there. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's good that you clarify because, um, you know, Nets also helped me with this, give me a platform to post, you know, obviously I, as a rabbi, I'm doing shirim and classes and different things. So this has helped, you know, give me that platform that I can post things and share those things to congregants who may want to listen to a particular class. And there might be halacha, halacha series that I do and all sorts of things that could be part of our podcast. But, um, you know, I think the engineer and the rabbi is where it was born and where it was founded. And so this is our, this is our feature show. So Long may you, it continue. And, and hopefully you enjoyed our chat today. Please um, stay in touch. The details are on the bottom where you can email us or check out both of our link trees. Yeah, look, let us know if, you, if you've had the vaccine or whether you are against the vaccine, whether you believe that taking the vaccine is helping the world around you, whether you agree with our lachic things that I've said, uh, please feel free, or whether you disagree with Nat's uh, scientific explanation, <laughs> um, in touch, let us know, you know, drop us a line and we'd love to hear from you. Please. Yeah. Thank you. And um, yeah, look forward to hearing all the feedback and um, you can always find us on Apple podcasts or wherever you, you listen to podcasts and um, sometimes Spotify. on Spotify. <laughs> Spotify the other day and uh, stay tuned for our uh, next episode. Look forward to chatting to you then. Sounds good. Thank you, Rabbi. All the best. Bye.